0: Hello hello beautiful so welcome to my mommy's pa
1: Hello, hello, beautiful souls, and welcome back to another episode of Wabi Sabi Wellness. My name is Jeanette, and I am so glad and jazz that you are here with me today. Today's episode is going to be an interview with Carl Lorenz Cervantes, who is a Filipino writer and researcher who delves into the world of Filipino spirituality and how that links to the Filipino identity. This will be the last episode for AAPI Month, and I'm so excited for you to listen to it. I learned so much about my own roots, and I think you'll find it very educational as well. Before we dive into that, though, let's go over the moon transits of the week, the astrology of the week, and the tarot card of the week. The first moon transit we're going to talk about starts on Monday, May 29th at 9.51 a.m. Central Time, and lasts until Wednesday, May 31st at 6.45 p.m. And while the moon is here, the moon will be in Libra. And I love this moon transit. Libra is all about balance. There might be a focus on relationships and harmony for you, but I expect this to be a very calm few days. On Wednesday, May 31st at 6.45 p.m. until Saturday, June 3rd at 12.04 a.m., the moon will shift into Scorpio. This transit will be a little more emotional and passion-filled. I think sometimes there's a negative connotation when the moon is in Scorpio, but that just means there's going to be a lot more energy and emotions, and that can help fuel you to get where you want to go. On Saturday, June 3rd at 12.04 a.m. until Monday, June 5th at 2.31 a.m., the moon will shift into Sagittarius, I love this. Okay, I'm going to the Taylor Swift concert on Saturday, June 3rd, and I'm so glad the moon will be in Sagittarius for this. This is all about being social, trying something new, just having fun. This is very much a cup half filled, half full kind of energy we're going to have there. Astrologically, this week is very even keeled compared to the last few weeks we've had. There are two big events happening this week. So on Friday, Venus and Cancer will trine Neptune in Pisces, which is all part of this grand lunar trine with the moon in Scorpio. The vibes for this day will be very healing, socializing, just generally very good vibes. So excited for Friday. And then on Saturday, June 3rd at 1042 PM, there will be a full moon in Sagittarius. So this is all about our rituals, baby. This is a very positive full moon because it is in Sagittarius. That can set the stage for the rest of the year. So I want you to journal, to cleanse your crystals, just to take a second to slow down. Maybe write a letter of what you are letting go of and just burn that. Um, I don't know if it's going to be weird if I do all my rituals at the concert or not, but I will keep you updated. Okay, tarot card of the week, I pulled Ace of Cups. Ace of Cups is all about intuition, awakening to your emotions. And for me personally, when I pull it, it's about filling your own cup so I can continue to fill into others. So the question I have for you to think about is what can you do this week to fill your cup? I want you to take a second and think about the emotions that might have been showing up for you this past week. And how does that serve you or not so that is the tarot card of the week okay enough of my talking let's get into the interview okay i am so excited i am here with carl um so let's dive right into it so my first question for you is who are you and what do you do
0: i am carl Lawrence cervantes i'm a uh, researcher and a writer i also am a lecturer in one of the local universities here Um, my research interest has always been psychology but more specifically uh, the mysterious and somewhat paranormal uh, part of psychology which is which you know most people don't really see as uh, something that is worth uh, diving into scientifically Because a lot of it is, you know, uh, the stuff of magic and fantasy and these fields are usually filled with um, uh, scammers, which is, you know, which is kind of dangerous and which kind of uh, gives it its, um, which gives it its notoriety, but it is a very important field of study. It is also a very important space for people to find themselves and discover themselves so a lot of that paranormal stuff can also be considered spiritual stuff so that's that's my that's my research interest and that's generally what i do
1: awesome that's super exciting um the next question i'm just so curious how did you get interested in this field was it something that you knew from a like a young age that you would want to go into or was it something that you kind of discovered as you grew up
0: when I was younger, uh, I remember my grandfather had this hallway of of books and these books were um, about magic, mysticism, religion, written by saints and, and psychologists, you know, and a lot of them really had uh, very interesting topics. Um, there was this, I remember there was this one book that was, uh, I think it was this Reader's Digest book called Into the Unknown. And it was this encyclopedic book filled with um, very interesting. It was very, it was well-illustrated, had a lot of really nice photographs, but it had, you know, topics ranging from ghosts to witchcraft and UFOs, ancient civilizations, psychic experiments, and these articles, you know, I spent my childhood reading these, these articles. And from then it, it kind of grew my interest in magic and mythology grew. And then when I went into college, uh, then I started getting into mentalism and and um, and a lot of you know paranormal phenomena specifically you know telepathy stuff like that um, so it has always been academic a lot of people who come into this field usually start with comic books and movies, but I started with you know um encyclopedias and and other you know academic texts but that was really it was it has always been interesting to me that these things which are, like I said, always, almost always just found in comic books and movies are actually things that are real, you know, that could be actually studied, that could be measured, that could be observed and are documented throughout history. So, yeah.
1: That's really cool. That's really interesting. Um, My next question, and forgive me if I'm butchering the name of your Instagram page, but how did you come up with the name Sikodiwa?
0: Yeah, Diwa is <clears throat> it comes from two words, it's from psicologia and diwa. Psychologia is psychology, diwa is um psyche or or spirit. Um when a person drinks coffee in the morning, for example, we say nagising ang diwa, my diwa was awakened. So what is that diwa, you know, that's the that's the it's not fully just consciousness, it's more of a psyche the habits, the traits, and behaviors of people, that's that's their diwa.
1: Yeah. I love that. Um, so for anyone who is similar to me and has no clue, how would you describe like the psychology of Filipino and what makes it unique? Um, I don't know if other cultures have a similar study, but when I saw that on your Instagram, I was deeply fascinated
0: psychology filipino is uh filipino psychology it's it's the psychology that comes from the filipino experience every you know the the psychology that we recognize globally is is, is largely um uh western more likely mm-hmm. european and american psychology which has been you know for the longest time considered to be um, the the standard of of human understanding. but these are these are we we could also consider them to be more of cultural <laughs> psychologies from there from the west, you know uh, every every uh, place uh, in, for example, in in Asia, uh, in Africa, we, there are specific indigenous psychologies also that come from these these areas. Um, it's just sad for the longest time that, uh, <clears throat> colonization has somewhat erased or degraded these ways of thinking these indigenous forms of, uh, thought, but today, and which is, which is great about this, this time, you know, starting from, I'd, I'd say starting from the sixties or seventies, it's just great. How we started questioning that the more in the Philippines can say, the more uh, during that time, you know, 60s, 70s, when the local scholars started to actually go out into the villages, they saw this discrepancy between, uh, local psychology and what has been considered universal or Western psychology. And they started to think, you know, it's not, it doesn't align very well, you know? So they started to study the the people from from the villages and from from the different places in the Philippines, and then slowly through language, through culture and art, we st- slowly discovered uh, frameworks for the psyche, folk understandings of the psyche, and that's how psicología Filipino was born. And today, you know, we're still we're still discovering new things all the time.
1: Awesome! That's super cool. Um, so going off of that, what is the most fascinating topic or, I guess, story in Filipino spirituality that you've researched?
0: Mm. I, think, I think the most curious one has always been uh, there are so many well-documented cases of uh, what we call sapi or spirit possession. And in the West, it would only be considered as, you know, oh, it's, it's a kind of, you know, psychosis or schizophrenia, some kind of madness. But those things that we consider to be in the West as uh, mental disorders are sometimes considered here as having spiritual origins. For example, there's this creature, this being called the Encanto, which is an invisible entity that can get obsessed with a, with a human being, especially someone who is attractive. Uh, and when they fall in love with this person and they become the victim and the target of this Encanto's um, attraction, this person usually goes mad. And this Encanto madness could be considered as a form of uh, mental, you know, it could be considered as a mental condition in the Philippines, a form of mental illness. But how do we understand, you know, how do we understand mental illness uh, in in the, in the traditional sense of the word? It's more connected to nature and other people. uh, And the interesting stories that I hear or that are documented in the literature are usually uh, uh, psychologists, you know, trained in the Western uh, uh, worldview dealing with Local cases of you know spirit possession and encounter madness and so yeah. on, and it just goes to show that if you use local uh, frameworks of healing to treat local uh, you know manifestations of of mental conditions, then you know it uh, it works. It's effective. So that's that's something that we have to even look at. A lot of uh, there's this specifically there's this. Um, his name is Father Bulatao he was uh, the founder of uh, one of the universities uh, Ateneo de Manila University's psychology department he used to handle cases of spirit possession a lot since he was a priest and a psychologist they, they brought the cases to him and he would what he would do is he would put these people into trance like they would be hypnotized and he would talk to the spirit he would start talking with the spirit and then ask the spirit, you know, okay, what will it take for you to get out of this person's body? And once that happens, uh, this person would be given some kind of task like a pilgrimage or, uh, some form of Thanksgiving just to, you know, solidify the cure, but there are so many cases that he, he writes. He writes about also, uh, a case of a Quezon city poltergeist. And there was a, what happened was. If I remember this story correctly, because it was so interesting, I I, I hope I'm not you know uh, remem- remembering this wrong. But what happened was uh, he he was called to this house in Quezon city, and in the house there were uh, stones were being thrown around, and because these stones were being thrown around, it was usually targeted or directed to one of the uh, housekeepers, one of the uh, housekeepers of the house, and so. See, Father Bu, Father Bulatao put this person in a trance, a housekeeper in a trance and started talking to the the duende or the poltergeist who was there. And they found out later on, you know, that, uh, that this housekeeper really missed going home, really missed home. So maybe it was some kind of psychic manifestation of them wanting to go home. But what Father Bu did was that he talked to the duende and said, go to that box or go to that drawer. And stay there, and if you stay there, we will feed you food. So every time, you know, so the the, the you know the stone throwing stopped, and uh, the the drawer was left to itself, and they would leave food in it, and sometimes the food would disappear. But you know, things like that, you know, cases of of this of this kind, uh, this this mysterious but well documented uh, phenomena.
1: That's super interesting. I grew up with a lot of stories like that my mom would tell me. Yeah, there you go. Um, the next question. So for those who don't know, the Philippines is a very Catholic. So my question is, how does Filipino spirituality mix with that really strong religious roots um, that are present there?
0: Mm. Uh, <clears throat> the thing is that so uh, Catholicism comes from uh, the Spaniards. You no, know, when the Spanish, when the Spanish colonizers came years ago, many many years ago, five hundred years ago, uh, they came with a, this faith, the, the Catholic faith. But when they came to the Philippines, it's not like the Philippines did not have its own uh, spirituality back then, or or forms of religion. We did have some kind of uh, spirituality or religion. In the past, we did have, you know, priests. We didn't have. Uh, we we did have places of worship, but they were usually temporary. Um, we did have a pantheon of divinities, so we already had some kind of religion uh, before the Spaniards came. Uh, but when the Spaniards came with with Catholicism, it wasn't uh, it wasn't difficult to integrate actually in the culture. A lot of historians would say that it's probably because Catholicism and our, our local forms of uh, spirituality were uh, were actually very much alike in terms of form, uh, in the sense that there were there was a supreme being uh, there, that would be the Christian God and then Batala. And then there would be the minor divinities, which would be the Anitos or the saints. And then we would have, you know, guardian spirits around. Um, uh, we would also have uh, priests and places of worship. We used to call these places of worship simbahan, which today we call we use to call the church. But but before the the Spaniards arrived, the simbahan was actually uh, this temporary structure that they would place in the in the town where people could do their worship and ritual. Uh, so so it wasn't you know it wasn't difficult for. For Catholicism to be integrated in the culture, but that's not to say, of course, that you know a lot of it was also because it was forced upon us. So it was kind of, as much as it was, you know, uh, assimilated somewhat easily. It was also forced upon us, and later on, it became eventually a part of our culture. Um, it's not today, you know, uh, more than eighty percent, according to the latest census the 80 percent more than 80 percent of Filipinos identify as Roman Catholic a lot are, are Christian um uh the the Catholicism that we have today is very syncretic it very it borrows so much from different traditions and uh indigenous spirituality our form of animism has always been there it has never disappeared and what we call today folk Catholicism or what some uh, local writers would call Christianized animism, is really just using Catholic imagery to talk about or to practice our indigenous animism. So, you know, there are in, in one folk Christian uh, belief in the mythology of one of the folk Christian uh, books is that there was uh, the first God who they call Infinito jos and that first God, from the sweat of that God, came all other spirits, including the Holy Trinity. And the Holy Trinity, they thought, now oh, we're we're the first ones here, but they didn't know that there was already a God before them. And so they tried to baptize this God. So from that story alone, you see already the how how the uh, Catholic uh, history of our country um, was mythologized into this uh, into this you know, wonderful, uh, metaphor, symbol, symbol, rich story, you know, it's, it's nice. It's, it's not so annoying. It's not so, it's not so separate. It's already so ingrained in the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do understand how that a lot of people would, you know, it has had a long and painful history in the country. A lot of it filled with exploitation, abuse, oppression. And I, I do understand, uh, how a lot of people would try to remove their uh, Catholic um, history because of, because of religious trauma. And that's absolutely understandable, but this is not also, but uh, I'm not also trying to uh, distance myself from people who genuinely find joy and meaning in the Catholic faith. So it really depends on how a person practices the faith. And a lot of it really is, you know, people making a lot of mistakes.
1: Yep, that's that's life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um thank you for that. That that made a lot of sense to me. I think that's a question that I've often thought about when I think about like my Filipino roots and spirituality and whether they can go together or if they're separate, but that makes a lot of sense. Um my next question. I have this sticker on my laptop and it says Bahalaka Sabuhaimo. And the first post I ever saw of yours was one about Bahalana. So can you just speak to what that phrase means Um,
0: and maybe why
1: it's such a popular one? Oh, this has been,
0: this phrase has been around for the longest time. Uh, Bahala na is something that we say when we're exasperated, when we're just annoyed. We don't want to deal with anything. We don't want to deal with someone and we just say, ah, bahala ka sa buhay mo. Bahala ka. Bahala na. I don't care. And we usually, for the longest time, you know, uh, it's been understood by foreigners to be a uh, a phrase of desperation, a phrase of procrastination and fatalism of giving up and letting go uh, to to accept our fate, to accept and to surrender to a, a form of resignation, essentially. But there was a study in the 1970s that Kind of tried to reclaim the meaning of bahalana. It was by the psychologist Alfredo Lagmay. He wrote this interesting paper um, where bahalana was, instead of being fatalist, it actually uh, was a way to strengthen a person's resolve. For example, um, a person when a person is faced with something that they have no control over. They just say bahalana and move on with it. You know, it's it's a form of inner strength. It's a manifestation of that lakas ng loob, that inner strength. And then in twenty when was it twenty fifteen I think or somewhere there, uh, a, a philosopher called uh, named uh, Rochi Matienzo, he wrote this paper on revisiting bahalana as a folk spirituality. So whereas Alfredo Lagmay wrote it in the sense uh, that it was psychological, it was a way of you know, letting go of that mental burden of having to deal with things. Um, uh, uh, Matienzo studied Bahala in the context of the Catholic faith, or at least Filipino spirituality. Uh, and he found that it's only when a person reaches that level of, the, you know, that threshold when things are absolutely just absurd and they it just feels like things don't make sense anymore, once a person reaches that point and crosses that threshold, that is when true miracles occur. And how do we get there? By saying na. and we actually reach that level of, you know, you know, whatever things happen, I believe that there will that that I will be fine. I believe that things will will happen the way that they're supposed to. And it's hard to capture that. Uh, it's hard to capture that theoretically. It's only when you actually speak the language and actually use the phrase in the right context that it makes sense. You know, you'd, you'd always hear it. You'd always hear it. Like, uh, when was it? When I was traveling with my family, and uh, this was just so recent that that uh, my sister, uh, we we didn't know, cause we didn't know what to eat that day, and then my sister said, "Okay, bahala na, let's just find something to eat," and then that's just. I I paid attention to that because that suddenly let go of the mental burden of having to decide what to eat and just see what you know we come across. Mm-hmm. So that it's it's so freeing. It's a so subtle, yet it's such a freeing phrase.
1: That makes a lot of sense. So basically, it was reframed from being like "I don't care" to "whatever will be, will be," and I'll accept that.
0: Yeah, but we have to be careful that it isn't. Uh, can I curse in this podcast
1: yeah absolutely
0: <laughs> okay uh it's it's not like we're saying fuck it it's different from saying fuck it
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, Bahalana is very different from just saying ah you know screw it whatever Let's good because when you say fuck it, it it implies some kind of recklessness you know
1: mm-hmm.
0: so it implies that sense of I don't want to think about it I'm it's gonna be um whatever is gonna happen is gonna happen let's let's go do it and fuck it, you know. But when you say bahalana, it usually comes after you've done everything you've, you know, you could do. So mm-hmm. it's like a, a student having studied the whole night, and then when the test arrives, they say, "Okay, bahalana, let's see where this goes." But you know, I've done my job. It it connects to this other phrase: uh, "Nasa nasa Diyos ang awa pero nasa tao ang gawa." God helps those who act. So you have to act first, and then God will help you so he can't help you if you don't do anything about it so essentially that's that ties in with the spirituality of bahalana is that you have to do something for the universe to somewhat be aligned to what you want otherwise nothing's going to happen
1: that makes a lot of sense it reminds me a lot of just like what i think of when i think of manifestation of like i have done my part and now i'm trusting the universe and the energy there um Thank you. That's
0: very close, actually. That's very close to what Matienzo wrote in uh, his paper on revisiting Bahalana. It's very yeah? close. Yeah, it awesome. is. It's, it's a very interesting read. It's actually available online.
1: I'll have to look it up. Um, mm. That really, thank you so much for that. That really strengthened my understanding of that. Because I remember my mom, so I don't speak Tagalog or Ilocano, um, but I remember my mom telling me that a lot growing up because we were frustrating children. So... Mm. It, it makes me feel better about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Maybe she was just, you know, letting go of that burden of having to, you know, sometimes I mean, I haven't had children, but from the people that I know, my friends who have had children, sometimes you do have to remember na, your children as much as you gave birth to them or that you had them. They aren't yours. I mean, they aren't, they aren't, they don't belong to you in the sense that they are your humans. Mm-hmm. Uh they are their own, you know. They are their own person. They have their own preferences and their own desires and needs. And sometimes we have that sense of we want to control what other people think and how other people feel and act. Yeah. From from places with controlling households, we know how how children grow up in those scenarios. You know, it's not always a, a good. So it's mm-hmm. using bahala na as a parenting strategy would be is an interesting is an interesting thing,
1: yeah. I will add that to my parenting toolkit. Yeah, Um, yeah. (laughs) I love that. Um, So continuing to talk about my mother, growing up, my mom had lots of superstitions. Um, She did, she's from Lawag, so I don't know if these are like regional or what, but, we would have to follow them. And I remember her like making sure that we always had salt in our bags whenever we traveled anywhere and like saying things like tabi, tabi po," things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, can you just speak, I guess my curiosity is, are these regional, are these countrywide? And where do these come from? Where do these ideas that carrying salt is going to protect me come from?
0: Right. Uh, you know, that salt thing isn't isn't just specific to the Philippines. It, it's oh, really? Very- Yeah, it's very common uh, around the world Um, when we usually, for example, we salt windows, we put salt on windows, we create salt circles to protect ourselves from negative entities. And even in um, even in the in Catholicism, we bless salt. So it's those are those are interesting, you know, practices around the world that connect with salt Um, in terms of superstitions in the Philippines there are regional superstitions for sure i i don't want to use you know i don't want to use the term superstition i'd rather use the term folk belief mm-hmm. so there are there are uh regional folk beliefs but wherever you are around the philippines you will recognize some things as coming up over and over again for example uh the the phrase tabe-tabe-po is something that is used in a lot of places in, in different parts of the country, I just don't remember specifically how what what they use as a phrase. But in other parts of the country, they have their own version of tabi, tabi And in diff, in their different uh, languages, uh, the use of salt on windows is to protect people from aswang. And it's not just salt. What's interesting about the aswang uh, story is that aswangs don't like um, strong food ingredients like garlic. Uh, they don't like salt. Uh, they don't like citrus. And a lot of these, a lot of these um, ingredients are found in our cuisine. And what's interesting about the connection of folklore also and food is that the Encantos, for example, the Encantos, which are those indivi- invisible beings, they don't. They they don't have salt in their food. That's the belief there. And another belief is that when a person is chosen by the gods to be some kind of shaman or the, the gods want that person to be one of them, they remove the intestines and replace it with some kind of brass uh, intestine or they they have that void entirely. And so there is a huge connection between food and folklore. Uh We have, you know, our food is very, very, sometimes a lot of them are strong in flavor, very distinct. So it's very garlicky also in a lot of ways. Um, so, so yeah, so it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's hard to distinguish at this point, you know, it's hard to distinguish which folk beliefs are come from certain places because it's so, there are so many commonalities and and patterns across the country, across the archipelago that are, you know, I'm sure were shared as as people traded from one place to another.
1: That makes sense. Um, I had no clue that salt was outside of the Philippines. I just remember strongly going on a field trip and my mom being like, you need to carry salt so no one gets you. Um, I'd love to dive a little deeper into what being Filipino means. So okay. I grew up, I'm, I'm in the United States. So as a Filipino-American who's mixed, I grew up with a very specific archetype of what a Filipino or specifically Filipina is. So in the U.S., which I'm sure you know, um, a lot of Filipinos are seen as someone who's like very able to follow direction of their spouse, someone who's caring for others, um, someone who's almost passive. I'm just curious, as a Filipino who's living in the Philippines, what are your thoughts on this? And how does that differ from maybe the archetype of what a Filipino means to you in the Philippines? Sorry, that was a lot of words.
0: (laughs) No, I, I, I get it. It's uh, It's interesting, you know. I'm. It's only when I started this project that, uh, that I was really connected with the struggles and uh, stories of people in the diaspora, because I was never, um, I have never I was never really connected with it before because I didn't know that many people who were in from the states or who at least grew up in the states uh so i didn't really understand it before all i knew was my culture which was here in the philippines but then the more i interact with people who you know come from the states or from other parts of the world and they uh a lot of them are from the states actually a lot of them are from the states a huge part of my following are people from the united states and a lot of them looking for or searching for identity, searching for strength, searching for empowerment, searching for uh, a space, and it's that longing for home. You know, it's that longing for a place where you could feel right, or you feel like you belong in that space, in that area. That I think is also something that is very powerful. Um, and it's only really when I started interacting with more Filipino Americans that I started to understand where they are coming from. Um, in terms of in terms of the archetype of what a Filipino is here in the in the Philippines, you know, there's so many ways of being Filipino, and so many places where you know there are Filipinos, and there are of course of course stereotypes of people from different parts of the country. Like for example uh i'm i'm from negros i i grew up in Silay, which is in negros occidental and the way that the way that uh uh ilongos speak is very flowy and it's it's so sing-songy and uh you say uh when when you say for example uh uh in, in english you would say see what you did Right? See what you did. In, in, in Ilong'o, we would just say, Teh. And it's, it's so, it's so, teh. And then it's like, Oh, <laughs> you know, in a lot of, a lot of ways, parang, uh, um, the language is, is so, is so calming. And so, is so beautiful, uh, that the stereotype, or at least the way that people see, uh, Ilongos, at least the people that I know are, you know, even when we're mad, we're so malambing. We're so soft and kind and nurturing. But you know, when you go to a place, for example, like Batangas, where people are very rough and 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 strong in their in their uh, Tagalog, because when you're when you're in the Greater Manila area, the Tagalog is very well. It, it sounds like the way that I would speak in, in Tagalog. But when you go to Batangas, for example, the Tagalog is deeper and stronger, and in Bisaya, for example, when you hear someone from Davao or Cebu speak in, uh, speak in this language, speak in Bisaya, and it's suddenly it's different. There's suddenly that different uh, tone. Um, my father is from Davao, so we would go to Davao a lot, and you would hear them speak in speak in uh, the language, and it really is different. So I think it also comes from the stereotypes of language, but at the same time. You know, I don't wanna I don't wanna um promote stereotypes, negative stereotypes of different parts of the country, but of course, you know, you would hear that, you know, there are places that are this, there are places that are that. So it's kind of just funny. But um in terms of a a quote unquote universal stereotype of what a Filipino is across the country, parang wala. It really is just there isn't one specific Filipino kind of Filipino. But uh, uh, being Filipino, is is more of a, a national identity, more of a consciousness that we experience. Uh, the center that a lot of people would say, parang people would say that the center is Manila, and that Filipino, uh, being Filipino, is is uh, very connected to Manila. Since since when you say you speak in Filipino, and the Filipino language uh, is is a kind of Tagalog but you know there there are just so many ways of being of being Filipino I'm sorry I I feel like I I spiraled in in my answer uh yeah I feel like I spiraled in my answer can you can you you yeah, know, no, no. answer at all because I feel I think I feel like I think, I, I like I I think didn't. you
1: did no I think you did I think <laughs> I think what you were saying to me was that it for as a Filipino in the Philippines there is more than just this archetype that we have in the United States and like there are areas there where like it's a stronger type of like oh that's that really strong type of Filipino versus like this area other area has this like stereotype or like idea of like softer types of Filipinos. Whereas like it's not necessarily that one and done that we have in the United States. And I think a lot of that for us has to do with like so many of the nurses in the Philippines come to the United States. I know right now there's a really big push for teachers to come to the United States. So Mm. I think that's kind of maybe where that idea came from in the US. Were you um, surprised when you heard about what the like stereotype or the archetype of a filipino in the united states was or were you was did that make sense to you (laughs) um
0: well i i suppose what i just what what kind of strikes me is how how the how filipinos are perceived in other parts of the world uh there are qualities for example that are seen as Filipino in other parts of the world that here in the Philippines would not be fully considered, you know, as, but uh, they feel dated. A lot of the Filipino stereotypes abroad feel dated here. It's so, it's no longer, it doesn't, for me at least, it Mm -hmm. no longer feels Filipino. It feels uh, from a different culture entirely. And I understand that because from, you know this this country, the, the Philippines the Philippines has its culture. Filipino Americans have their culture. and as much as we are, you know we are Filipinos, it's just that there's a different layer of culture in terms of you know when you're in America. So there's a different layer of culture, especially if, and, and when you're in the Philippines. So for example, the the um, the obsession with uh, with certain kinds of sports, for example, or the the insistence that all of us are good dancers. Um, I'm not a good dancer. Me neither. I, I don't know a lot of people who are good dancers. I know a handful of folks who are very good dancers. Uh, that all of us supposedly, you know, are good at singing. I don't know. I know. I don't know if a lot of us are good at singing, but we will sing if we, we're given the <laughs> mic. So that's so that's one thing. Um, there are, for example, people that. Uh, Here's what strikes me the most is that uh for for those, there are a lot of Filipinos abroad who were sometimes raised abroad who support certain Filipino figures uh who are famous around the world, but are very problematic here. And so, you know, when you hear, for example, people I'm not gonna name names, but you know, when when you hear uh, Filipinos abroad supporting certain characters that here we would know all oh, you know they're not really a good person or they're they've said some things that um, that aren't you know that are questionable they're very very mm-hmm. questionable they have been very aggressive against certain groups a certain protected groups and so on. And it's just it's just so funny to me all the time when when people reference these 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 figures abroad, especially even in songs sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it kind of I don't know, it feels weird to me, but uh, <laughs> it, it just goes to show that there is uh, something of a, a very uh, some some disconnect in terms of how uh, people want to perceive Filipinos here.
1: Yeah, I I feel that um that makes a lot of sense yeah. switching topics to astrology and tarot i'm just curious so i haven't been back to the philippines in over 10 years um but how has astrology and tarot how is it viewed now in the philippines in the u.s it's like really taken off recently but i'm just curious with those strong catholic roots has it done the same thing there are people interested in that um mm.
0: Hmm. Astrology in the Philippines. Uh, astrology is a very Western concept, but people, people would really say, people would say here now, uh, oh no, we had our own astrology uh, in the pre-colonial times. But our astrology or, you know, putting astrology in quotation marks really, but our astrology back in the day was more of um, following the seasons in terms of when to, when to uh, harvest, when to, uh, because we were agricultural, a lot of us agricultural, a lot mm-hmm. of us also in the, in the fishing communities. So we would follow the seasons. We would follow how, how time passes and our body is very connected to the world clock or, or the universal clock. And we are not usually tied to these mathematical symbols and uh, a mechanical, yeah all these machines that 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 uh, control us. so so when it comes to today, you know astrology, it has always been somewhat of a pastime also for Filipinos. You know you'd hear it on uh, on uh, radio shows. Even when I was younger, you know, I'd hear it on radio shows. There was even a famous astrologer uh, who who would always go on TV and she would always say, you know the fate of a person does not lie in the stars, but in your hands. She would always say that at the end of you know her her, her show. Uh, but yeah, today it's it's a lot of Western astrology being used in uh, a lot of Western astrology being used here. I do know someone who is a very good person. She she is very well versed in in the planetary transits and everything. And we did have a conversation on the, the astrology of the Philippines. And she uh, she pulled up a chart of the Philippines. And uh, it was such an interesting conversation. I think I recorded it. No, I did record it. I it's listened in, to it. It was
1: really good. It's in
0: my podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so interesting, no? Huh? Uh, that was actually half of our conversation. I only kept half of it. But it was a longer conversation. And we talked so much about these interesting things
1: awesome um going off of astrology i stalked your instagram and know that you are a cancer rising so jupiter just moved into taurus um i don't know if you keep up with astrology but the focus for you for that with jupiter being the planet of luck and abundance Is with your community as well as your hopes and dreams so with that being said i'm just curious can you speak to what your goals are with your community or what are your dreams right now
0: you know it's funny that you you bring up my astrology my my chart because this year is actually my saturn return same and so yeah there you go and so a lot of changes have been happening in my life recently um terms of in terms of my my vision for for community my dreams for the future uh you know a lot of them really involve um unlearning and deepening and connecting and following those things talaga it's it really is just uh it really is just finding a, a creating a more solid foundation also strengthening that foundation i think part of this Saturn return that I'm going through is, uh, creating that stability in terms of what I believe in and what I know to be true and setting the boundaries of, um, of what I setting the boundaries of the scope of my interest, you know, instead of, you know, being scattered everywhere, Mm -hmm. just like, this is, this is all I know, but I'm setting that boundary. Yeah, so so I think those are very important things, and and very important things to focus on. Today is that we focus on specific things.
1: Yeah, that makes sense, and I must that must be very hard because your work must bring you into such like deep rabbit holes of interesting things for oh, you to yeah. be like. This is my all scope. the
0: time, all the time, all the time. You know this this whole thing about. Um, it's only when more people followed me. Uh, especially from, from abroad that, that I started getting into decolonial work. Um, I, I never saw my work as something I, I've never seen myself as uh, someone who did, uh, uh, decolonial writing. I, I never thought about decolonizing, but the more I the more i went into these you know discussions the more i realized a lot of people you know a lot of people say to me they use my work in their journey of decolonizing and that's when i realized oh you know this is very important for for people who were raised in cultures that feel alien to them you know that are somewhat forced on them or somewhat that doesn't feel right to them and the, the process of decolonizing isn't just about um, removing all aspects of the modern world. It's really about bringing up things that have always been there. And so that's one of the rabbit holes that I really got into. And then eventually I realized that decolonial work is actually a fundamental part of Psikologiyam Pilipino. It is literally why and Pilipino got started in the first place. Because, you know, Americans were here and they said, this is how to see the mind. And and Filipino, the psychologist, would, the Filipino psychologist said, that's not entirely true. That's not how we feel about our own mind. And so Psikologiang Filipino really is decolonial work. And see, this is one of the rabbit holes that that I got into. I thought that I was just talking about folklore and and superstition and psychology, but apparently it was something more important something way more important than i had imagined
1: that makes sense would you say that most of your followers are um filipino americans or the majority in the philippines
0: oh you know what's funny actually is that uh, when i checked the statistics
1: mm-hmm. it
0: really is that only around 30% are from the philippines
1: and the rest and, from the us and stuff
0: uh i think 40% from the us and then from others from everywhere else. I, I have people, you know, reaching out to me from different parts of the world, not just from the US, but you know, you'd be surprised from Canada, for example, Australia, United Kingdom, someone even, uh, what was that? I forgot. But there are also, you know, people from Germany and, and different places around the world. I'm just surprised that there are places that this account reaches.
1: Yeah. um, I think that there's a really big desire to just connect with your culture and your history that when you're a Filipino growing up, not in the Philippines, you don't really get there's we're, we're not taught about this. Um, so I'm really appreciative of the work that you do. Okay. So just a few more questions. My next one is, what are your if like just zooming out? What is your goal with your work? Like what is the legacy that you want this to leave behind? Um
0: uh in terms of legacy you know i think it's too early to tell what what i want to leave behind i think i'm still at that point of discovering what i want to create if that makes sense so yep. once i've you know once i've figured out that uh, as much as you know i have these interests these childhood interests but i'm still in that process of creating that foundation like i said for you know for this saturn return it's about creating foundations um but looking forward, you know, uh, in terms of uh, in terms of uh, legacy or in terms of you know the goal of this whole thing, I hope to really contribute to the field of psychology in Filipino and and get more documentation uh, and do more research in uh, provide more um, academic literature on on things that are well-known intuitively. Because mm-hmm. a lot of things that we know are intuitive. A lot of them are stories. A lot of them are shared. A lot of them are chismes, gossip, you know. But you want to put them in writing so that it's kept and it's documented and it's, it's preserved. The, these traditions, these beliefs, and these stories, I want to preserve them and keep them safe. And I think that's the important that's the important task of the researcher, of the journalist, of the academic, of the um, writer, is to document and preserve tradition. And I see that as a very important task.
1: I agree. Um, your third Saturn return actually talks a lot about legacy. So you have two more to get to before you have to think about that oh, really oh, hard.
0: Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> when's the next one? When's, I mean, when's the third one?
1: You're like in your 90s, late 80s, early oh. 90s. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. I hope I reach that age. I mean, with, with technology, I feel like I will, but with my lifestyle, I don't know if I... <laughs> if I <will laughs> um,
1: so my last question before I get into these silly fun ones is where can people hear more of what you have to say or how can they connect with you or your writing? And I'm going to link it all below, but yeah. Where can people hear from you?
0: Um, well, uh, I do have a, I do have that Instagram account, Diwa. Just be careful. Cause I just found out recently that apparently there are imposters. There are people mm-hmm. who are copying the account and, you know, scamming people, but, uh, I, I did try to get it verified. So, uh, you can just follow Diwa on, on Instagram. I only have that Instagram account. And then I also have, uh, a, a, a sub stack, a newsletter, so sikodiwa.substack.com where I will post mo- more of my long long form writing, more of my research and so on. Uh, I do also have zines, digital zines. Um, uh, uh, it's on Gumroad. It's on sikodiwa.gumroad.com and a lot of them are available online digitally and uh, what else? I also have that podcast on, on Spotify. At IWA. So these are kind of like the, the main, you know, places where I have my work. But you can also access my other writings in different journals, which are also linked in my Substack,
1: So it's easier to find. Awesome. I will link that all below for you all. Um, okay, so now the fun juicy questions. Mm. What is your favorite drink at the moment?
0: My favorite drink is an espresso. I love espressos. Uh I just like the thick strong espresso. It's so it's so hard to find a good one. Um but you know when when you do find you know those you know thick dark almost creamy very bitter espressos, I love those. Um yeah. Filipino coffee is is another you know it's it's <laughs> it's amazing, especially cupping barajo. Yeah. When I try coffee from different places, because it just doesn't hit strong, but cupping Barapo is just right.
1: I don't think I've had that. The only memory I have of coffee in the Philippines was filling up Blick Bayan boxes with instant coffee. So my only mm. memory of coffee in the Philippines is very tragic. <laughs>
0: uh, well, a lot of them is, you know, there are a lot of instant coffees. When I went to Sagada, uh, not, not Sagada, Kalinga. I went to Kalinga and we went to Apo Wang Odd, actually. Um, my friends, uh, the people I was with at that time, they wanted to get a tattoo with, with Apo Wang Odd. Um, and we went there. I, I didn't get a tattoo, but we went there and they served us this coffee from a pot. And, you know, coffee from that area, from that region, is so strong that we had to put brown sugar in the coffee. They would put brown sugar just to kind of, You know temper the flavor and and lower the strength but without the without the sugar it's so it's so powerful from the north you know a lot of coffee from the north is very very strong
1: i'll have to um i'm hoping to go back sometime soon and i'll have to start doing some coffee tours around the philippines um Mm -hmm. my second quick shot question is what's the most influential book you've ever read is it the reader's digest (laughs) I
0: think so. Yeah, that. I mean, in my life or in general. In general. Okay. Um, I think. Oh no, it's it's not psychology related, but in my life it would. I, I think it would be Father Bulatao's phenomena and their interpretation, which is a collection of his papers on Philippine psychology and the paranormal. It's amazing writing. It it really changed my, changed everything or well, a lot of things that that I believed in. And really shifted my focus from from just like general psychology to a very specific kind of Mm -hmm. psychology but in terms of you know influential books i think let me check what i let me check what i have i don't know I, i i have a bunch of books in my room i think my i think my favorite one would be um there's this book a very small very short book it's called how to use your enemies and it's it's a it's a book by Baltasar Gracian, and it's so it's always sold out. And now they've they've uh, raised the price because it's because it's uh, it it's so a lot of people really like it, so they raise the price of the book. So now it's a little more expensive, but it's a wonderful. Sorry, Indina, it's not connected anymore to psychology, but this one is really just a fun book to read. It's a it's it's a, a series of, it's a set of maxims for how to live a, uh, how to self, how to develop the self. Yes.
1: Awesome, I'll have to look that up. Is that <laughs> is that in English or is that in Tagalog?
0: It's in English, it's in English. Okay, it's, perfect, it's so I can read it. From, yeah, you can read it, yeah.
1: Awesome, um, this next one's kind of weird, but what is the best compliment you've ever received?
0: Oh. <laughs> Okay, I don't know about the best, but the the compliment that I used to always receive, or more frequently, was that I look like one of the uh, I look like the mayor of Pasig City. He's 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 handsome, he's smart, and he's he's well he's very articulate, and he's he's well regarded as as one of the really good politicians. Uh, he's young also around a little older than me uh he's he's actually the the son of uh he's in a very influential family uh who is also you know very very has strong connections in politics and media but you know people would you know go around calling me mayor a lot hey mayor you know and I even there was this one time uh, during Halloween that I dressed up as the mayor and my girlfriend, she dressed up as because there's this picture where uh, his mother, uh, you know, uh, was was very happy that he won the elections. So they had this picture together. And me and my girlfriend, we recreated that picture and it got viral. It went viral online. Did and it, it? was even featured. It It did. It was even featured in news outlets, in local news outlets. <laughs> it's very funny. It's a fun time. That's
1: how do how do I find this picture? Oh. <laughs> what uh, do I, I Google? Don't I don't know.
0: I <laughs> <laughs> I suppose so my great. name and then I suppose my name and the word mayor. <laughs> that's,
1: that's so good. Honestly, I think that should be your legacy there. I think you've you've nah. completed your <laughs> <laughs> It
0: was a fun time. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um okay, two more. What do you yeah. do when you've had a bad day? What's the first thing you do when you've had a bad day to turn it around?
0: I like talking with my girlfriend. It really it really eases my worries when I talk to her. Uh but when I do and it, what I do when I'm not able to talk to her, like when she's busy or when she's sleeping or something, um I I walk. I take a very long walk and it just relaxes me awesome love that very Walking grounding is very important yeah, yeah. um
1: and then the last one what is your most used app on your phone
0: oh my I, i'd like to say instagram because i always use instagram and i'm always online but recently i haven't been on instagram a lot well yeah yeah i suppose instagram
1: Awesome. Well, thank you. That is enough of my interrogation. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. this, this was such a fun conversation. I feel like I learned a lot about my own identity. And I think that's why your Instagram has the reach that it does. And like, I've seen, I, I stalked your Instagram and I saw the reviews people have for you and how they connect to your work. So, um, it was really, really interesting. So thank you for taking the time with me today.
0: Okay. You're welcome. And, uh, I'm I'm happy that this space reached you.
1: And there you have it all. There was my interview with Carl. It was so informational for me it was so educational and I hope you all took something away from that chat if you are interested in connecting with more of Carl's work and his writing I will link it all in the show notes below if you are interested in connecting with me on Instagram I will also link my Instagram as well as my booking link for a one-on-one reading in the show notes so this is the part where I leave you with a phrase and I'm actually cheating a little bit because I'm going to use the phrase that Carl talked about in today's episode bahalanah I hope you all Of course, put energy where you want to put energy and do the actions that need to be done to get where you want to go. But I hope you also realize that at the end of the day, we cannot control it all. We have to have faith. We have to just believe that things will work out the way that they're supposed to work out. Thank you again for listening. Um, If you like this podcast, if you like this episode, please share it with other people. Please follow along, send a little comment, review. All of that really, really helps and honestly makes me smile so hard. Next week, we are going to be shifting back into astrology and we're going to be talking about midheavens and where they appear in your chart and what that might mean for you. So with that said, I hope you all have a beautiful, magical week. I hope that if you were listening to this on Monday, you took some time to rest before the work week. And as? always look within. Thank you.